Welcome to the August 2020 edition of Book Plate. Find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking on the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C, which is always featured at the top of the page. Today I am Annie, sound engineer host, and in this book I am an invisible tea bringer. <laughs> I am Britt, and in this book, I am the knife that Gray throws that lands directly in Old Boy's kneecap. <laughs> mm. I love it. And um, I am Amanda, and in this book, I am Zoe, because if I was playing this as an RPG, I would be Zoe. I would be the rogue <laughs> who had to be uh, trained as a bard but didn't want to be. <laughs> that would be my backstory. <laughs> nice. Tight. Our amuse-bouche, which is always the bite of what we're going to get into about our meal, is Prince Ren of Emberfell and his last living guard, Grey, are stuck in an endless loop of kidnapping girls in the hopes they will possibly fall in love with Ren and break his monstrous, unmetaphorical curse. <laughs> Harper catches them in the act. She attacks Grey, who is holding an unconscious girl in the dark night of Washington, D.C., and ends up as the next sacrifice. Little did any of them know how well she could play the part by Brigitte Kemmerer. I hope I'm getting that anywhere near correct. Yeah, I gave it a, it's a kind of a cynical spin, I have to say. <laughs> the, the premise of this book is, I mean, it's basically Beauty and the Beast, but we can yeah. talk about that. Other cover take, which is where we ask our significant others what they thought just by looking at the cover. Jamile said, it's a coming of age Harry Potter type story. Then he said, I also haven't read Harry Potter, so I don't know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. I love it. <laughs> so I googled. I use. I uh, checked out the ebook from my library. So I usually Google the covers for Garrett so he can see them in color. Because yeah, it's black and white on my Kindle. And the one that I showed him had the quote on it. So oh. he's like, "Well, it says right there on the cover an intensely original retelling of Beauty and the Beast." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go with that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Okay, um, but I asked like if it didn't have that, what he would think, and he said maybe a love story with some elements of horror. Uh, Phil said, "Well, I'm seeing a lot of like thorns here, but then there's like one branch without thorns, but it's in the middle and it's trapped. So I feel like this is the trap of love." Ooh, <laughs> Phil, getting philosophical. <laughs> I love it. So our appetizer is Arabella's room. There are honeyed biscuits, jam, sliced cheese, a pot of tea, a pitcher of water, and a crock of half-melted butter. Ugh, I could eat that every day. Right? <laughs> like, I'm not sure I'd be willing to be kidnapped by like a like a flying scale monster for it, but like, <laughs> it's pretty tempting. <laughs> yeah. So as we said, this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And then a couple of the other things thrown in to make it a little different is that we have Emberfell versus DC. We have a Lilith, <laughs> like a very real Lilith. And then we have the trope of the dead dying parents. So yeah, I don't know. What did you, th I mean, clearly I was like, this is a Beauty and the Beast you're telling, but then the book I read didn't say that. So I was like, why is she pretending that this is not? Yeah, I, it was so clear, so clear. The dead dying parents thing, I think in Beauty and the Beast, her dad is dying and she has to go back to see him. So I'm not sure 
that it's necessarily the lady's fault for leaning into the dying parent. Although, you know, if these parents aren't dying, how are these kids doing anything? You know what I mean? That's like, how, how are they fucking off to fantasy land for three months or whatever <laughs> without like police force <laughs> being involved? Yeah. I mean, there's also without the dying parent, there's also no reason for her to go back to DC. Which is, sorry, Washington, D.C., for the yeah. listeners, which they call D.C. because they're pretending that she's a princess. Yeah. Yes, the princess of D.C. <laughs> that which I up. actually thought was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Emberfell versus D.C., and then what else? Oh, Lilith. The Lilith is interesting. The Lilith is like, Lilith in the Bible or in witch stories is usually oftentimes considered Adam's first wife, but she's supposed to be the the heritage of witches. Um, yeah, Lil the mother of demons, right? The mother of, yes. So Lilith is like actually, it's interesting that she named her witch lady Lilith. I thought, I mean, like that's clearly what it's calling up for me. But in the book, she's not like gone or absent. She's lurking around like a yeah. creepy <laughs> She's so creepy. Yeah. And I like, it was sort of, interesting to me that like you know in the beauty and the beast the beast is getting his just desserts kind of but here she really wants to make it clear it's not the hot guy's total fault like that lilith is totally evil because in the beauty yeah. and the beast recently like myth right it's like a a good sorceress trying to like teach this man a lesson and improve people or whatever but here she's just clearly got it out for their kingdom it's like a revenge motive right and she wants the prince to marry her. Yeah. Yeah. She wants for power. For power. Well, but power also he's like, I don't know. She kind of wants him to like to to love her. Which There's is weird because her whole people were like slaughtered, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, by his father. So like was she the woman that tricked his father into marrying her? I don't think that was her, but I think she tried to get with his dad Two. before. Okay getting with him <laughs> yes because okay. we don't know how old she is she, i mean she's a sorceress she can change her appearance that's right? true but if she is the one who tricked the dad then wouldn't she be gray's mother yeah or... you, yeah you she, yeah you're right that can't be right because then she i don't know <laughs> <laughs> some complicated family ties yeah. <laughs> yeah i know it's very interesting like the witches are clearly considered the bad guys right they've been ostracized mm -hmm. they were kicked out of the one kingdom they're now like they've been slaughtered by this other kingdom all because people are afraid of shape shifters and afraid of the power that they can hold over them but then we have lilith who's just like a really bad example of why you would want to be friends with them <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? it reminds me of that like trend that started in horror movies 10 years ago which i loathe which was like well what if they really were witches in Salem and we were right to murder them like that is such a huge trend right now and it very much felt like well witches are bitches you gotta kill them they're gonna <laughs> destroy you otherwise because you right. rejected them sexually <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what she's really mad about is like this whole thing is just like a torture game to kind of force him to like love her or like at least capitulate to her you know it's it's a power it's a power move but it's about the sexual power for sure mm -hmm. i don't know like frankly this story the book wasn't sexy enough for me i feel like there could have been a lot more sex going on in this like no adult supervision <laughs> <laughs> like, situation going on here but there isn't a lot of sex like they bear i don't even they like barely kiss each other 
you know. Yeah, the only moment of tension is with her and uh, Gray, I felt, in the whole book. But I do, like, I was just talking about, like, what a hell year this has been, and this week in particular, it's just been a nightmare. And it was so good to have this book. I was like, I know what's happening. I, you're doing what I expect you to. There's a love triangle. There's two hot guys. Great. I can think about that. Like, <laughs> you know, books on the real world. Yeah. It's predictable <laughs> and it's going to get better. Like, it was so nice. It was perfect. Oh my God. That's amazing. I did read it and then immediately start the sequel and then read the sequel. <laughs> it was definitely escapism 101. And yeah. like also in the book, like escapism from DC and like her li- her other life into the fantasy world. It is like literally a plot based on escapism. Right. Um, the main course is corn. Okay, so they eat. There's a lot of really great food in this book. <laughs> uh, the main course is corn chowder and six pheasants. The story of the trap is that the same thing happens every day for like three months, essentially, and. So every day the same food is made and it's supposed to be celebratory for the prince's birthday. Go downstairs and at one point she's seeing the invisible, I guess it's not even, they're all dead. So it's just like the magic turning the six, the the spit of the six pheasants and the corn chowder. And then there's a scene where they have to go back to DC and they're to take care of her mother, basically to sit on her mother's death watch. And uh, they have mac and cheese, hot dogs and canned green beans. And I thought that was like a very good way to like create the dichotomy of like mm-hmm. the life in dc is like poor people you know yeah we're being chased by gangsters and like you have to eat like garbage i'm sorry canned green beans are the worst thing that's ever happened it's so gross and the they're smell. like tired that american pot like thanksgiving dish my aunt always makes that shit and i'm just like i don't it's like the green beans the the mushroom cream and mushroom green bean casserole yeah yes and then the onions on top yeah i've had fancy version of that made with real ingredients and it's delicious but canned green beans smell so bad Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) our topics i have in here is uh a few we've got disability representation trapped lack of choices and then i do want to give a content warning there's a lot of like suicide ideation and self-sacrifice in the book that was I was not fully comfortable with and then our heroine of course Harper is the catalyst for change were there Amanda I heard you say representation issue was it about the disability representation or did you want to talk about something else no she has cerebral palsy I believe yeah yes Mm -hmm. and I think she had an afterword about it like saying like look cerebral palsy represents in a myriad of ways you know it's not one experience and this is her experience and she has kind of a mild case and it doesn't seem to get in her way in this story which is nice it seems to be only brought up by the lilith lady who keeps calling her a cripple or something like that but it doesn't broken yeah it doesn't seem like when she's moving through the world that anybody else thinks of her that way or that she interacts with the world in that way even though she will say like this writing has been hard on my body like so she does like it's not like they're ignoring it I guess yeah I think like I really like when she I'm trying to remember what it was she was trying to have people teach her maybe no it wasn't the arrow shooting it was something where she was like asking like the 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 fake army or whatever (laughs) to like to train her in something and like you know People had built up this like myth of her as this scarred warrior princess who was injured in battle. And she was like, no, 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 
I was born like this. I will mm-hmm. die like this. So teach me to work around it or whatever. And I was mm-hmm. just like, that's, that was really dope. But there were a couple of times when she was like on the run or like escaping or needed to move fast or something where it said something like she willed her leg to not yeah. give up or willed her leg to, to move faster. And I was like, if only it worked that way. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a little harmful. The idea that like, oh, I can just will my leg to work the way I want it to like but I think for the most part I thought that it seemed like a good representation and yeah it was clear that she you know had sensitivity readers and like talked to real people about their experiences with CP and stuff so mm-hmm. representation is needed at all times and especially yeah. if she's someone who has experience with that then like yes please write about it and and include it where it's like that's not the point of the book right yeah <laughs> I mean it's a fine line to walk because you want her to clearly she wants her to be an action hero like i have a disability it doesn't keep me from being an action hero like i am running jumping arrow shooting so maybe being realistic like oh i actually can't move at this point then she would have to get captured in the narrative and that she just didn't Mm -hmm. want to do that so it was sort of a lazy way out to be like i willed myself but maybe not understanding like brit said it is harmful because it implies that people could just will their way out of it. And like, it is a mental block instead of like a physical thing. I thought it was mostly done well, like I said, except for like a couple of times where I was like, I willed my leg to work or whatever, because a lot of the limits, I guess, that disabled people face in society are that they're not accommodated, mm-hmm. right? It's not that they don't know how to like navigate the world with their disability. It's like the world is not navigable for them. Mm -hmm, So like when she said, you know, this is just a part of me, find a way around it. Like that was, I really liked that because it's not like her disability that is limiting her. Like she knows, you know, what she can and can't do, but it's like, you know, inaccessible like society or whatever that would be Mm -hmm. limiting her. So and so maybe like a comment too that she didn't find this like clearly aggressive society that much more limiting than the one that she's in mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for real. Ugh, yeah, that is super real. The disability stuff that's been going on this year is just outrageous and like really depressing. <laughs> like medical decisions being made based on someone's disability and their quality of life made by someone who is not that person. Just like yes. that. And in the book, there's this trapped lack of choices rhetoric. In the book, that's like, they're trapped by the curse. Gray's trapped by his loyalty, right? Literally everybody is trapped. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I was going to say, it seems like less lack of choice and more like every choice is shitty. So pick one, right? Like even mm-hmm. when she wanted to distribute the castle's like endless regenerating food to the townspeople and he was like, okay, like, that's gonna have some consequences, you know, then people are gonna start fighting, and I can't feed everybody, and she's just like, okay, but it's better than nothing, but it's like, is it? Because then, like, hundreds of people are lining up, you know, Yeah. so it's like, there's always, yeah, I don't know, all the choices are shitty, (laughs) so good luck with that. (laughs) It was a good introducing to, like, nuance of situations for teens. It'll get you. I could, if they'd really been doing this for 300 times, I could see why he just didn't want to do it anymore yeah 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 and that's another thing too i think like you know because this was she was going through the first round where he'd been like on round 300 and something he's just like i know how this is going to turn out and she just sort of had that like spark of hope and optimism that had just like 
that he was just kind of jaded because he was just like, this has just gone on like forever. And, well, and plus, um, he wasn't ever trying to do what she did. He was only trying to work within the confines of the curse. He was much mm-hmm. more narrow-minded and like needed her broader horizons in order to pull him into what he needed to be doing. So I thought that was a pretty good match between them. I really don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like Prince Red. I, I feel like he's the not weakest. Not that when he was a monster. Didn't you love Monster Run? The the Grim Monster Run was better, but he wasn't red. She falls in love with Gray and keeps Monster Run as their best pet. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> there were so many other options here. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Yeah. I, I do want to say Ren as a puppy. Like, I mean, not a puppy, but like Monster Ren when like he was able to like realize who she was and he yeah, nuzzle. <laughs> And she's just like petting, like, you know, petting him like under the chin. Like, okay, he's good now. <laughs> uh, just takes the right heart to tame you. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but I wanted oh. to say, oh, sorry. With the other topic in, in the main course with the suicide and self-sacrifice, yeah. it reminded me of that book that we read where they kept repeating the same day and they all had to vote on oh who was gonna make it out alive or whatever yes dead oh i don't remember that i know it's like it's the kill die repeat thing right with the tom (laughs) like that's what it's called right like it was like the teenagers who had crashed their car or whatever and they all died and the mysterious dude showed up and said that they would repeat the same day over and over until they like voted on one of them who got to like make it out alive or whatever but yeah. like remember a bunch of them tried or a few of them tried to kill themselves and they would just come back so like, yeah. it kind of reminded me of that because it was just like well this is futile but what have I got to lose like maybe I can end it yeah um, I just oh and then when he said that like when uh they were explaining why Lilith couldn't be killed and Harper was like, well, what if you cut her head off? And they're like, nope, it'll just rejoin her body. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I did like it when they were like, when Grey took her into the world. Like, I still don't know if Grey killed her or not. One assumes. He didn't stick around to find out. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, so... that's the whole setup. Does she really love him or was it because Grey killed her in the other world? I felt like that was a pretty good cliffhanger. I, I want to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I still want to know. Dead, right? like, she's well, it was interesting because, like, the first time she told him that she loved him, she said, I love you. I love you. I'll say whatever you want to hear. Just yeah. stop. Yeah, like, that's not really love. So, yeah, right. Exactly. So she's like <laughs> saying it and she might feel it on some level, but she's not. There's a disconnect between like her feelings and what she's saying because she's like not saying, I love you. We can like end this curse. She's like, I love you. Did that work? No. Yeah, but, like, how did like this sorceress who is clearly so cruel have an idea of love that she would be able to put it in the curse such that it could be recognized? I don't know. I mean, she clearly has no concepts. That's it. actually a really good question, Amanda. Maybe there isn't any love in the curse. Maybe it's just the curse. Yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah. Another thing that came up was like, somebody was saying oh well true love is sacrifice and harper's like well if that's the case gray should have broken the curse <laughs> yeah right <laughs> literally constantly sacrificing himself for for Ren. so yeah like <laughs> yeah and i mean i think i was just like 
I think I just really didn't like Ren. And I was like, really, you're just going to kill yourself? Like, really? Like, you're just going to throw yourself off? Like, that's the scene where he throws himself off the tower and then becomes the beast. I was like, duh, you dumbass. Like, I don't know. I just was so <laughs> mad at him. I was well, so mad at him. I was like, that's just... He was trying to kill himself so he didn't kill lots of people, though, right? Because he knew he was about to turn into the beast. Yeah. I think, I think he was trying to die before he became the beast and ripped up all of the people in his kingdom. Again. Yeah. Because but then it would the be the final movie. death. Right. Also, he was hoping for a final death uh-huh. because it was the reason. Okay. Yeah, a little bit of yeah. a <laughs> I was just like, yeah, self-sacrifice is like not really the place we want to get to where we're in the problem-solving, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, there should be problem-solving before self-sacrifice. Right. <laughs> like, just, like, <laughs> why is this the go-to? I just felt like it was way too close of, of the choice that yeah. it was like at everyone's fingertips. I thought she was going to be more pissed off than she was when he revealed that he was the monster. But at that point, it was just kind of like, well, all right. (laughs) I mean, I was like, how did she not see this coming? Yeah. (laughs) He's he's clearly, but again, I like the world where there is Beauty and the Beast. So, of course, I knew that it was coming. (laughs) But when she She was even a little mad at him, I was like, he didn't do it. He didn't curse himself. Like, he's not, like. It felt weird to hold him responsible for being a monster when that was no way his choice. And in fact, a source of grave trauma for him. Like, Yeah, but it was like, I don't know, the the deliberately keeping it from her, I thought she was going to Well, I mean, like, okay, yeah, fall in love with me. By the way, I'm a monster who eats people. (laughs) (laughs) You into that? That's that's, that's just shooting yourself in the foot, man. I mean, do we tell all of our dates on the first date that we're a monster that eats people? I like wait till like day four for that because people can be judgy. At least three months. At least three. (laughs) I mean, clearly, of course, the girl coming into it is the catalyst for change, which is like a, a trope, right? But I was just like, the whole concept of love and like what kind of love what it like the Lilith not knowing real love and then also like you can't really fall in love with someone in three months I just like I don't know no that's a crush that's not like enduring love for the rest of your life I think certain situations can like exacerbate it's not the right word but like fast track Mm -hmm. I like if you're you know constantly like everywhere you go people are trying to murder you (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> I feel like that kind of speeds things along like when you're thrown into intense situations like that or whatever but that's true actually lovely war you know they we did have the example of kind of like almost immediate love and then the fast track of war there is that trope yeah. of like not having time soldiers to marrying it. whoever before they go off just so they have someone to write to and someone to come home to mm-hmm. that's true I think this just feeds into my, like, can we stop writing books for young adults where, like, they think they need to love someone at 17? (laughs) Like, you're not going to be the same person after a few years at 17. Whoever you love is not going to be the same person. You need to allow for change and growth, you know, and not, like, trap yourself into this crystallized concept of what love is like. Have you guys been watching uh, the Teenage Bounty Hunters on Netflix? No. First, amazing. Second, incredible. And third, like, one of them has a very serious long-term boyfriend, and it's suggested that she take a break from him, and she does, and she immediately, like, finds, like, self-fulfillment. So I thought that was nice. It, like, usually is the other thing. It's just, we've been dating since fifth grade. How can I not date him anymore? And then she's like, oh, oh, easily, easily. (laughs) I can do all these things now. Well, I feel like that's kind of what Jake was getting at too near the end, like her brother when he and yeah. Bella got 
also trapped there or whatever. Poor um, Noah. I know. And then he was just like, so are you coming with me? And she's like, no. And he's like, so you're going to marry this guy? And she's like, what? He's like, well, where else is this going to go? Like, you have this whole fake story about, like, your two kingdoms and the alliance. Like, you, that's where this is ending up. So and she's just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know? So, like, and she doesn't have to know. That's, she, you know, she's 18. Or yeah. Let so. me just save the world first. We <laughs> can talk about it. Well, and the curse did say love, not marriage. So, like, you don't need to get married right away. Right? Yeah. You can just hang marriage. out. <laughs> but, I mean, a cousin uh, kind of goes along with their lie, though, about, like, the two the alliance. alliance. Do we want to bring in our side dish and talk about Becky Albertalli? Yes. Let's and her, that. like, medium post breakdown. Oh, my God. Sorry, breakdown. She wrote, you know, a post. I mean... I read the stuff and I hate the girl on Twitter. So am I on the opposite yeah. side of I thought that girl no. was trash. <laughs> yeah, she was and she got dragged. So Oh the girl did. She's like, yeah. I mean, and just to be like, oh, you should only write things like when you know exactly what you're doing and there should be no questioning or finding or discovering through art. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you are like a conservative's wet dream because they get to now quote you and like say that's oh, wow. what people are like. So basically, what I can gather that happened is like um, Becky Albertelli has written at least two books with queer main characters. So she wrote Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, and then she wrote it's kind of a sequel. Leah. It's like set in the same world, Leah and the Offbeat, and Simon's gay and Leah's bi, and I guess people were questioning whether like straight people should write queer characters and things like that or if it really was own voices or whatever and I guess there was just so much drama over it that she felt like forced to come out and you know and so the, she wrote this medium post and she's like this is not the way that I would have wanted to do it like I'm still trying to figure myself out into adulthood but here we are <laughs> like can yeah. we put this to rest please like I'm writing queer characters because I am queer and even though I wasn't ready to let the world know because I'm still trying to figure my shit out and and yeah then there was just a bunch of like the Twitter posts we were talking about was this person who said that uh let me find it she because yeah I don't want to mince her terrible words I want to read them (laughs) the way that they are she said is this tweet even still up oh she didn't delete it I'm surprised she said I sort of think you shouldn't write slash create queer media and then feel weird when people ask if you're queer or maybe if you're grappling with it, you should refrain from writing about the community you're not part of until you are comfortable being part of it. It's great to want to write queer stories. Do it from within once you're comfy and not as something you're entitled to. I just don't think you're the victim when you put yourself into queer spaces, center yourself as a creator in that space, and then get weepy about having to explain that. No one is obligated to come out, but no one is forcing you to write queer stories while closeted. If your own queerness makes you uncomfortable, how can you? And more importantly, why would you want to spotlight that on yourself and center your work in queer spaces? So that was kind of a trash take. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you're not writing for office. She's writing a book. She's making art. Art is about questioning things and delving into things and taking different looks and I can't imagine that an artist knows exactly where they're going, like when they start a project and have that project be any good. You know what I mean? And then later she tries to defend herself by saying, lol guys, I'm not talking about making art. I'm talking about making money. Like, 
nobody who writes books <laughs> makes money okay like maybe this bitch made some money because like, it was a movie or whatever but like people do not make enough to support themselves for like a month like for the work they put in for five years writing a book it's insane yeah like talk about entitled I'm sorry that that, like like reading that sent me on like an angry tizzy all day I'm figuring out that I'm queer like in my 30s I'm figuring out that I'm bi and I'm looking back on my life with all these relationships that I had and being like oh that's what that was (laughs) I wasn't just kissing her because I admired her deeply as a friend like (laughs) maybe it was something else you know like I'm 40 people don't know like it's crazy. So everybody's environment is not the same either. So like an art yeah. is an outlet. Like we were just talking about this with the poet X, like art is an outlet for the things you can't say out loud a lot of times. And so like, we don't know what her family is like or her environment yeah. or anything. It's just, I don't know. People like, I understand like wanting accountability, but like pushing it into like demanding to know you know, demanding to like have access to her identity is just too much. Like read the book. Mm. If you feel like the book was written like in a way that spotlighted homophobia, say that. If you feel like it, it didn't ring true, say that and criticize the book. But I don't know why you have the right to this woman's identity as evidence. And I just don't know that this is like this in any other genre, but the idea of feeling entitled to an author's life because they wrote something that you read is insane to me. Like your engagement with the author starts at the first page and ends at the last page. Like you're not engaging with the person, you're engaging with the work, right? Yeah, and like, I I get where it's coming from though, because like so many times people who are marginalized in some facet of their identity, like are overlooked and they don't get to tell their own stories because other people are centered. So I get, like, I don't, I get where it's coming from, but yeah, this, it's just, it's too much demand that she reveal herself. I don't know. And we know it would be a big deal if it wasn't this popular of a book and if it didn't have a movie. It's once you be, once you become a person whose name is known and who's seen as like someone who writes in this genre, then you, it's like all eyes on you. And I think, yeah, I think Amanda, you were the one who said, I don't know if it's any genre outside of this one. And I and I was telling my therapist, I was like, you have the kids who are teenagers and already feeling all of these emotions. And then you have adults like me who care about every little nuance in all of the books. <laughs> I, I just want people to realize that like writing is basically a volunteer job. <laughs> like that's how little you are paid and that's how much you work. It is basically a volunteer job and you're yelling at people for like, standing up and volunteering like the fact that this woman has a book and a movie is like she won the lottery it's like she was hit by lightning while auditioning for broadway like it doesn't happen you know this is not a thing that happens a lot like i don't know she had no idea when she was like i'm sorry i hate that woman so much (laughs) (laughs) she makes people afraid to create Mm. you better know what you're doing you better know every single thing about it you better be a phd in every fucking thing you talked about or don't create because we're coming for you like it's (laughs) just it's bullying i don't know like well that's what becky was saying is that she was feeling bullied that's why she wrote the medium piece 
and like, you know, we had the book about like being bullied online and how that really does affect you. It gets into your psyche. And every day you wake up and you check your Twitter and it's like, oh, this straight woman is writing for gay people, you know, like that affects you. Yeah. I mean, and like, I, this is the only case where I've felt like so clearly on this side. Usually I feel like I'm on the other side. Like, you know, if you're not part of a community, like you don't know anything about it, like, what are you doing? But like, I guess just maybe other things are more visible. So it's easier to determine without asking. And so this one, it's more invasive. Like, prove it. Yeah. yeah. Like, How gay are you? Yeah. Like make out with somebody right now. <laughs> it's weird. You know, yeah. like you can be gay and not as actually sexual. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can like, have like romantic feelings for women and not actually want to like have sex with them and yeah. it's a lot to explain and to me and somebody explain about themselves because they spent five years writing something that you didn't enjoy I don't it's just yeah and then like the split attraction model is getting a lot more discourse recently of like sexual attraction versus romantic attraction so like Amanda you're describing somebody who could be like I don't know maybe asexual but homo romantic or whatever mm -hmm. right and like, there's just so many gate, so much gatekeeping in the queer community where it's like, oh, well, you're not really blah, blah, blah. And you're not really part of the community. And if you've ever like, you know, it's just, yeah. So I don't know. There's just sort of like some toxic gatekeeping stuff in the queer community. And probably, you're right, probably because you can't tell really mm -hmm. like by looking at a person. So it's like making somebody prove that they're worthy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> dual, sorry, split attraction. I was thinking you were going to bring up more about bisexuality and how like that's one of the more invisible ones, especially if you are a woman married to a man with kids, you know, which Becky Albertalli is, you know, mm -hmm. then, then you're right. I've seen a lot of memes on Instagram, dating a guy, still bisexual, dating a woman, still bisexual, you know, and like, then you're getting into gender, right? Is it bisexuality? Is it same sex and different sex or, or same gender and different gender, right? And I think I've seen a lot of folks who are bisexual feeling particularly marginalized because it's really hard to be visible. Yeah, like I would feel really weird. I would not like walk into like an organization meant for gay people, even though I feel like I am feeling these things about myself because I would just assume they'd be like, bitch, go home. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so it's just sort of perpetuating that and like strengthening that to everybody who hears it. Yeah, it's just, there's just, I don't know, just these ideas that persist about there's one right way to be queer, because, like, you know, people, another thing that I've seen a lot of discourse about is people using, like, more than one label that other people are like, no, that contradicts itself, you can't be a bi-lesbian, no, you can't be a lesbian who uses he, him pronouns, no, you can't be this and that. And, like, I used to identify as lesbian because I only ever dated girls. And then I went to college and found myself, like, attracted to a guy and was just like, what is happening? And mm -hmm. one of my friends is like, you can't do that. You can't go backwards. Like, what are you, the Emily Post of sexuality? Like, what are the rules on this? Like, thanks for bringing that up. I hadn't seen that. Me neither, um, yeah. I'm just drowning in all of this stuff. The Harry Potter stuff people are just like continuing to talk about it and of oh. course we don't have to talk about it but JK Rowling like <laughs> published one of the most transphobic stories I've ever even heard of in my life and you know a bunch of people are gonna read it and it'll probably in actually increase violence against trans women so fuck her 
challenge. It's like, why? Why would you do this? Like, you have everything in the world. Why would you pick now to become just so violently homophobic? She's the worst. And it just really sucks because, like, so many people, like, queer people and trans people and people with marginalized identities, like, saw themselves in her characters because, like, her... The messages in her books are all about, you know, like finding yourself and finding, you know, your community and love and, you know, just all of the things that she is like actively like going against now. (laughs) And it's hard to wrestle with like what the books mean to you versus like how horrible she is. It's just like, I feel like she must have never thought about this stuff before when she was writing those books. Like, she saw gay as being, like, Will and Grace, very clear-cut. This is good. They're clearly (laughs) humans. Let's do this. But, like, it seems like she's so deeply distrustful of men that she really wants to keep what being a woman means. Mm -hmm. To know who she's excluding. I mean, that's why she's a full-on turf. I mean, like, that's why that term fits her. It's, like, exclusionary, trans-exclusionary, radical feminist right like mm-hmm. you're radicalized in that it's a little bit of a cult you know to be so aggressive about your beliefs to the point and where then, you're enacting harm against others yeah yeah and then just like you know karen or whatever people who fit the description are like it's a slur <laughs> i take offense to being called this accurate label and you're like it's actually <laughs> your name Karen. <laughs> yeah i saw something that said um instead of turfs we should call them farts and it was feminism appropriating reactionary transphobe oh <laughs> i like that they are farts <laughs> oh my god i just you know people are gonna buy that book and because they love her and then just like oh just stop giving but, her money but like to me <laughs> I guess, like, they'll love her now because of what she said, but, like, it seemed to me that people who liked Harry Potter are mostly pretty liberal. Yeah. So, like, she's cause... abandoning this audience <laughs> that she had for, like, the people who said that she was writing about witchcraft and wouldn't let their kids read it back in the day. I don't know. She's at that level where she can write whatever she wants, and this is what she's choosing to write. So that says a lot about who she is to me. Yeah. Yeah. Very deeply strange. Well, we can leave her behind. You were, she wasn't sorry. I just brought it up because I keep thinking yeah, about no, it. Yeah. How can you not think about it? Like, I just saw some, I, I like video games a lot, and there was some Harry Potter game coming out. And yeah. they're like, good news. She's not involved with it. And I'm like, she still makes money off of it. But yeah. even if she never made another dollar, she'd still be so rich. I don't know. It's just like. that. Yeah, there's a lot of discourse about that, too, about, like, you know, if you buy this game, like, you know, you're supporting a transphobe and other people are just like well you know but what about like you know all the game creators and people who worked on it and like i don't there's it's a it's a mess it's a lot of drama (laughs) and it's like shitty timing and yeah like why did she have to like taint everything i mean it seems (laughs) like she's doing it for bullshit to prepare the way for this book yeah to get people to buy it like it feels like a very strategic marketing campaign which bitch you are so rich you are so rich. Why would you? Who? Ugh, sorry. Money, money, and power, man. Like it's hard. That's a, a drug for sure. It's an addiction. Let's go move on to dessert. <laughs> cool. <laughs> the dessert for this book is repeated birth- birthday delicacies: twists of dough, cups of sweet cream. God, they eat so well. I'm just like really. 
And I put your threesome question mark and like love each other and also how queer identity interrupts these tropes because clearly if homosexuality was a thing like Gray and Ren could have broken the curse immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Also, they should be a throuple, right? We haven't had a yes. throuple. Also, like, they should be a throuple. They all love each other. Or like, hello again. There's just like not enough sex in this book for me. I'm like, you are two hot young men literally kidnapping women every three months. <laughs> hot women. <laughs> like from what I understand. Yeah, and hot women. I'm like, you have your choice pick of who to kidnap. I'm like, how is this not just a sex cult at this like, <laughs> it's Nixium. What do they call that? <laughs> that is what would have been happening if I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> and you were kidnapping. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was, and like queer identity does disrupt it. You know, if there was like, there's like no people who aren't, as far as we can tell, well, I mean, then it's unclear to me how much representation there is in the world of where are these? Emberfell, yeah. Emberfell. It's unclear like how many different ethnicities we have. We have some like hair color description, but like the only person we know is black is Noah, Noah the healer. Because the author comes right out and says it, <laughs> which I, it's just so annoying. Cause like when it's the first thing you learn about a black person or any like person of color, but like the white people are not explicitly described as white but like you know she's like looking at the photos on jake's phone it's like oh and there was an african-american person there <laughs> like i wonder who that is like okay <laughs> like i mean but it goes back to the whole like whiteness is the default so yeah like, it's not described like we're supposed to assume that they're white yeah i can see that so. and then there was no i'm like wait there's literally no queer people here there's only this one gay couple that we've imported from this other world <laughs> well, like, I mean, nobody seemed to have a problem with it so that to me implies that there was they're just like oh the prince and his consort and it was just like <laughs> well so how it. does ren know he's straight maybe he's maybe that's why the curse isn't broken because he's actually like some other sexuality that he hasn't figured out yet <laughs> or or maybe there's just no answer to the curse and Lilith's just mean <laughs> mean i love the like nightly torture sessions like oh she really just stays present doesn't she she does not go and cackle off and let things happen it's super twisted and, and fetishistic actually in my mind I'm like yeah. you have a nightly torture mm -hmm. I mean, either you don't like bdsm or you do like bdsm and you just couldn't make it for a young adult it's <laughs> 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 funny and then the last thing i have is drinks in mead and fruit spirits so my questions for you are would you get tired of repeated fantasy music and food i once probably read, yeah <laughs> especially fantasy music and food like if yeah. it wasn't the stuff that i was used to and liked I, I read this book series where they would send agents from the future back in time to kidnap children and then they would raise those children outside of their own time and then send them back as spies <laughs> like it's Ooh. very complicated so <laughs> It was, it's a really good book series. And when she came back, she had all these implants and stuff that could let her see the bacteria content of like all of the food and stuff like that. She was like in King Henry's time or something, you know, like, so she, she didn't want to eat anything. Even though, <laughs> and that's probably how I'd be. I'd be like, there is bacteria. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I don't know, just the opulence of it all, like would just get old probably really quickly. So, like, to an outsider, to, like, Harper or to, like, whatever 
you know, girls gray was kidnapping. It was probably just like, Oh my God. Wow. But like to Rand, it's just like, Oh, this again, <laughs> like this violin yeah. concerto. I've heard it too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little disappointed that there was no talking candlestick. Yeah. Where's Lumiere? <laughs> talking more. I was like, to where be are our guests? <laughs> they don't appear at the end of the curse the beast ate all of them that's a really hungry beast yo like that beast ate so many people <laughs> but never Lilith somehow so then my last question is what other way could they have taken advantage of the situation and or broken the curse so I was trying to think about this like clearly uh Harper does the food distribution what if they'd started that in the first season what if they did food distribution and money distribution what if they started that, if the money appears every time, what if they started that at the beginning? Then you would have a wealthy country after 300 oh, yeah, times. because they're not, they're outside of the curse. You're right. Everybody else is. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that's such a good point, Amy. They should have totally done that. There's parameters to this curse. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not the whole kingdom, right? So, hmm. Yeah, hmm. so find a way to help your people, even if like you are doomed to repeat the same season over and over. This is why I really don't like Ren. <laughs> not, Gray is clearly the more attractive of the two. Yeah. But... Agreed. <laughs> but the Brittany, you just started the second one? Yeah. I'm getting okay. it from the we'll library. I'm on the I'm on the list now for it. <laughs> we'll have to talk. <laughs> yes. We might have to bring this back later. Yes. Because I'm clearly gonna read all of them. <laughs> Fast as they come out. All right. Well, that's all I have for this month. Any other last words? Just book of a teat. 